Welcome to Le Rendez-vous. My name is Garros Doré and I'm a writer with many stories, gossips, ideas, theories and points of views to share about the world we live in. I wanted to create this special moment to talk about all the things that are going on in our lives. So come, let's spend a moment together. Le Rendez-vous is brought to you by Doré, the skincare line I co-created wanting to bring more simplicity and efficacy to our lives. Check out the end of the episode for a special code just for you, the Rendezvous listeners. This is a four-part series where I take you through a few moments of my life that made me the person I am today. This is how I found my way. Let me take you back to Marseille. It's 2006. I'm completely broke. I have no hope about ever having an interesting career. I messed up my studies. I am not a good artist. Nobody wants to really see my work or pay money for it. Not enough anyway to sustain myself. And I've just created a blog out of sheer despair. And suddenly, I can feel that a few people are interested. For now, it's online, but I've also received a couple calls for people to write about me in magazines. At this time, no one knows me. And one day, I thought, I must go live in Paris and try this. I must do it. This is the first time that something remotely interesting happens to me. People are actually are paying attention to what I'm doing. And if I don't do it now, I'll never do it. I have these little savings. And I remember it was a lot of money for me. I had 2,000 euros on it. I'm 31. This is it. This is my chance. So I broke my little savings account. I told my boyfriend at the time, who didn't want to go anywhere, he was an artist, he just wanted to stay in Marseille. I told him, look, you do whatever you want, I'm leaving. I'm going to Paris. I'm breaking my savings, I'm going. And I went. And I went up there and I found myself a tiny studio, which was really terribly ugly but I really terribly didn't care I was there I was in Paris the city that I didn't know at all I think I'd been there what five times maybe six trying to show my portfolio to editors who didn't care at all a few of them were nice and gave me five minutes of their time but that's all I knew to me, it was this rainy, dark, scary city where I was absolutely nothing. Where I came from, I was someone. Everybody knew me. My little island in Aix-en-Provence had all my friends around me who knew me since I was a kid. In Marseille, I had been a part of this beautiful community of artists. In Paris, I was alone and I had nothing. But I didn't care. I had stuff to do. So I started working my ass off. 
I had never been lazy, but this was next level. I taught myself everything I could, tried to become a better illustrator, worked at my blog relentlessly, answered all comments. And this didn't really come from, oh, I'm going to make it. This is it. I'm going to hustle. It came from, there are people who care about what I'm saying. And I cherish each and every one of them because if you've listened to the first episode, you know I had never had any support. The support that I started feeling through my blog, this is absolutely everything. If you don't have support in your life, this is absolutely everything. And so I wanted to be there for everyone. But I knew I didn't have a very long launching pad. I had just a little bit of money. I had no job in Paris. And Paris was expensive. A few weeks after I moved into my ugly studio, I got an email. It was from AOL. Do you remember AOL? They had this publishing website at that time. And they offered me my first job as a writer. I had written a few things for the local paper that my friends had launched in Marseille, and I knew I loved writing, but this was writing for money. I remember that my studio cost 800 euros a month, and this was going to pay me 1,500 or maybe 12. Anyway, just enough for me to pay for my rent, my electricity, and my food, and I was in absolute heaven. I had to write three stories a week, and that was it. And I was like, are you serious? Are you really offering me that job and I need to sign somewhere? And right now, when I need it the most, you, you call me? And I think this was the first time that I realized that when... You throw yourself into the unknown. There's always going to be things happening that you could never have imagined. And to me, that was it. I had made it. I didn't need more. Just that job, having my blog, connecting with people. That was literally all I needed. I had made it in Paris. After a few weeks of being in Paris, I had made it. That was it. You have to remember that I am French. And that there is this mentality that I also find sometimes in the UK, but I'm too fresh here to really know. That thing of thinking, who do you think you are? That thing of not being too different from others. That being different is a bad thing. That wanting to be special, wanting to be successful, wanting to grow. All these things are looked a little bit down on. And so it made me feel really stuck into things. That's why when I was offered a job as a writer, my first thought was like, but I'm an illustrator. Instead of thinking, well, look at that. New pathways opening to me. Let's embrace it. Of course I said yes, because there was money, but I was like, I'll never be a writer. I'm not good enough for that. So there was this very limiting beliefs, not only from where I came from, with my family, meaning immigrants, meaning people who just like have to really work hard for money and sweat and all that, but also from my island. And then also these limitating thoughts came from 
the culture of my country, in a way. It's very difficult. You can't talk about wanting success. I mean, things have changed a lot, but saying I want to be successful, I want to make money, this is not things you say. And you know it because everybody's a little bit like that, but in France it's a lot. Oh, I'm not doing this for money. It's one of the things you will hear artists say the most in France. And I've never really understood that, but that will be a subject for another podcast. A very important subject, the subject of creativity and not only money, but also wanting to put your work in front of more people. Let's go back to Paris. So here I am. I have a job now. I have an apartment. I have a blog that's starting to be quite successful, actually. At the measure of what it was to be successful with a blog at that time. Meaning that everybody laughs at you a little bit. Thinking this is, is ridiculous. But it's interesting at the same time. So magazines were making stories about what they used to call the bloggers. And they didn't really know what to do with us. But they knew that something was happening. I don't think we knew what we were. But the funny thing is that those stories in magazines meant we needed to have our photographs taken and we would meet. And that's how I started to meet bloggers of my generation. And it was lovely because most of them were exactly like me. A bit lost. Some of them were from Paris, but... There was one that was from Nice. She was so lovely. She had a day job. She was just doing that on her spare time. And all of them were coming from pretty modest backgrounds. There was a kinship. There was really something happening there. And there was a type of woman that would be doing this, that would be nerdy enough to spend hours on the computer at a time when nobody understood how you could even meet people, make friends. People thought that the internet was for people who didn't have a social life, who were looking for porn or things like that, and who wanted to buy cheap stuff that were often fake. So that was the idea. We were very, very different, and we were really not looked as cool at that time. And we all became really good friends and really helped each other. And there was this beautiful community and it was a community between the bloggers, but also with our, what we didn't call our followers at the time, but our audiences, our readers, as we would call them. It was a lovely time. I was still quite broke because even though I now had my job, Paris was expensive. And I remember because I started connecting even more with my taste for fashion that I would spend hours at H&M trying to put together an outfit that would look decent enough when I would go on these magazine shoots. It was so funny and interesting. One of these bloggers became a really great friend. She's still a friend today. But we had this passionate moment where we just came together and between our love for writing and for fashion and also, I think, for sharing the weird moment that was happening to us, we became quite close. And I remember one day she told me, hey, why don't you come with me to Fashion Week? This might be one of the things that 
absolutely changed my life. It's funny, right? And you, you think back and you're like, this little sentence and my willingness to try anything new literally changed my life. Say, so grab a camera, come with me, let's go. I, I hadn't even realized that Fashion Week was happening in Paris. That's how clueless I was. I had this camera I had bought for traveling and I brought it and I had never taken a good photo. We went there and it was my first time at the Tuileries. You probably remember all these photos from the tents at the Tuileries. That's where Fashion Week used to happen. And I just sat there. I literally just sat there and I watched people coming and going from the shows with their incredible outfits, which were nothing like what they are today. If you have this image of Fashion Week people dressing colorfully and in the latest trends. It was a very different time. At that time, it was really an industry event. And people come dressed really well, ready to meet their peers. But it wasn't for show. And it was everything that I loved. It was fashion. But fashion for every day. Slightly elevated, but cool with people who came from all around the world. I mean, imagine me, it's just like, <gasps> something inside me took off. I started taking photos and they were absolutely horrible, but I didn't care. I was just going there and sitting there with my friend and taking photos, trying stuff. And I would go back in the evening with all my photos and I would download them to my computer and try to see what I could do with, with the little I know of Photoshop. I used Photoshop for my illustrations by then, but never for photography. So I had to teach myself a whole new way of doing it again. And of course, I never published my photos. It was just a pastime, something fun for me. I never thought, oh, I could become a good photographer. It was just a way to record this new, beautiful world I had been introduced to. I thought, I'm an illustrator. I can write a little bit, it seems, because people seem to like what I say, but I'm not very talented. And I'm certainly not a photographer. So whatever I'm doing there, uh, it's just for myself. It was my thing on the side. And I would not change the formula of my blog, which was working really well. And I wasn't going to think of myself as someone who can do more ever, ever. Except one day, I, I, I took a good photo of a model that I had loved for so many years. I remember mustering the courage to go and be like, Hey, please, can I take your photo? I was very shy still at that time. I knew what I wanted, but I was shy. And she turned around and I, and I had this beautiful photo. And for the first time, I was like, wow, sometimes chance really happens. And I think by the happiness of it, well, you know what? I'm going to publish that. And I did. And when I look back, of course, I would tell you, oh, that photo was terrible. But I published it, and not only did my audience like it, 
But suddenly it was like a new world opened. Because photos have this magic that, unlike my illustrations, they didn't really need words to travel. I think people started sharing them. I don't know what happened, but suddenly a whole international audience started coming to me. And in a few weeks, my work and my blog got a second explosion. And that's telling you a lot when you see now how good street style photographers are. It's telling you a lot about how thirsty the world was for something new. So I was like, okay, well, let's just keep going then. Very early, I started taking photos of people that were interesting to me. Meaning that I think unlike other street style photographers, because this started becoming a thing and we started being called street style photographers, I was only interested in people that had styles that inspired me personally. So I was looking for myself in all these people. And that's what I was photographing. I was trying to understand what is beauty? What is style? How can we find it? How can we make it happen when we have no money? Like I didn't. What is it? And that's what I was looking for in my photos. The same way today, my writing, I'm looking for what is a life well lived? What is a modern woman? These questions animate me. Going to Fashion Week made my style an absolute disaster already. Coming from Marseille, I had been probably one of the stylish girls in town. But this was Paris. Women are well-dressed. And they're very nonchalant. And they're very cool. And I was not any of these things. On top of that, I had started going to fashion weeks. And I tried to emulate the style that I would see by going to buy cheap stuff at high street stores. I didn't know what suited me. At that time, I remember when I started, Phoebe Philo was still at Chloe. Do you remember these baby doll dresses? I really don't have the body for that. But like, really don't. And I really tried to wear that style for a while. So that's how illiterate I was in fashion. I loved it. I knew it was beautiful. I had a very clear sense of taste, just not for myself. It was terrible. One day I was at the Tuileries and my friend introduced me to someone. I knew who this guy was. I was a huge fan of him. He was to me and it still is the best street style photographer. You could feel his passion through his photos as well as his knowledge of the subject of fashion. He had created something really strong and had made a name for himself across the world. We started chatting, he was quite funny, and started talking a lot about photography and fashion and the future of what we all were doing. He, unlike me, had a true vision that something big was happening. He understood that through our photos, we were challenging 
the establishment of fashion, that there was something new to be said and that we were there saying it. I had no idea about all that. I had no vision. I was still in survival mode. Just still couldn't believe that I was able to do something creative of my life. Whereas he had this big vision, understood everything that was going on. And he saw my photos and he told me, you're a great photographer. And I really laughed. I really thought it was a joke. But he kept pushing me to experiment with the way I was photographing. And he also started pushing me to get better equipment. He said things like, you have to take yourself seriously. You can't be a good photographer if you don't give yourself good equipment. You need to buy a better camera. You need to take time. You need to study. You need to look at the work of other photographers. Take it seriously. Take yourself seriously. It was an incredible thing to me because I forgot to mention he was from New York. He was American. And it was literally two philosophies of life encountering each other. I was still quite shy and just wanted to do my little thing. And I had this very kind of small vision of what I could achieve. And I still felt a lot of shame about the idea of wanting to be successful. I still controlled my ambition in a way. It was there kind of hidden that had been punched so many times by my parents. And I think in a bigger way by society because we don't have the same culture of success in France as in America. And so I met him and suddenly he was like, well, you want to get better, don't you? So you have to go after it. You have to grow. You have to, all these words resonated with me. A bit shamefully, I have to admit, it was kind of betraying my culture. There was also a sort of untold rules within the blog community I was in. And trying to do more and to be more and to becoming something on the international scene, that was a bit much. And as my photos started getting around, I started being criticized by my peers. I could see their looks and I read a few things and I had detached myself again from the people that I loved because something fascinating and new was happening to me. And this movement would repeat itself through my life so many times. This had happened with my friends from Marseille as I had moved to Paris. They had started telling me, oh, you've changed. You're not the same. Sorry, we can't see you. These wonderful people that I still love with all my heart, they just didn't like who they said I had become. And the same thing was happening now with my community of bloggers. And it was painful, but my sense of passion was too strong. And my photography and the sense of a calling that I was feeling, and honestly, just a profound inspiration that I was feeling, it was more important to me. And often in my life, I had to make choices and the choice was always to follow the call. It was painful, but I kept going once again.
slowly this new drive that I had found and this new inspiration and this new philosophy about pushing myself and becoming things that I never would have allowed myself to become before started taking over. And at the same time, success just kept growing. It was so interesting. It was so fascinating. And to be honest, that also gave me wings. And it meant that I didn't really grow a community in Paris. I had friends, but they were more like work friends. I only stayed four years in Paris. It might seem long, but it isn't because as soon as I arrived, as soon as I arrived, I started working my ass off and the fashion week moment became my whole life very, very quick. I think it took two fashion weeks, so maybe six months apart, to really build something interesting where brands who had closed their doors to me and had to sneak in the shows, and I had so many techniques to sneak into the shows, by the way. My first few fashion weeks, I was trading tickets with people and I was sneaking in the back and I was, it was so fun. It was so fun. The rebellious part of me was just having so much fun. But soon I started being invited. I think what happened, I know what happened, is that brands started realizing that there was power in blogging. I remember a PR from Isabelle Maron coming to see me and saying, well, you posted about one of our pants and we sold out the same day. She said, we never get this fast result with the press. It's completely different. And slowly it made everybody change their mind. And so my time in Paris was this incredible growth. It was so quick and weird. And I was still an outsider, but starting to get in everywhere, doors opening. And I was taken by that, my first successes. It's interesting because it's also the moment when I started having more presence in French magazines. And so that's the moment when my family turned around. It's a curious thing to say, but when I started the blog, obviously I wouldn't tell them about what I was doing come from this little town, remember? And so these kinds of things are even more shameful there than they can be in Paris. So I hadn't told anyone. And then I started being in magazines. And I think that's the moment when my mother, of all people, and my sister too, started understanding, wow, she's making something of herself. It's a bit sad to think that they only started looking at me when I started being recognized by others. And it says a lot about my family dynamics and how I grew up and this incredible need that I had to be recognized by the world. Because I hadn't been in my family, hadn't found the support that I would have needed. But I still appreciated their coming back to me because at the end of the day, I love them. And I know that the path that I chose wasn't easy. I know you might think I'm crazy and I struggled for a while, but I truly made my peace with that. Paris was slowly opening its doors, but I still could feel that there was a lot of doubts about the internet, about the bloggers, about who I was. I knew that I was not from Paris. I knew that you can feel it. I knew that people could see it. 
And I remember one day going to New York, paying my ticket to go to Fashion Week and trying to see what was happening there. It was a big time for New York. Alexander Wang had just started. There was a lot of energy. And so one of my friends and I decided to go. We shared this little apartment. And I think that's when I fell in love with the city and also probably in the back of my mind realized that here was a place where I could reinvent myself again. Again, those things were not so conscious as I say them today, but it's that sense of possibilities, that sense of greatness, that sense of newness and openness that I felt and that literally called me. That's when I started thinking, maybe I could move to New York. By that time, as you might have guessed, that photographer and I had become a thing and that's where he lived. So questions started popping in my mind. I wasn't really attached to Paris. I didn't adore the city for many reasons, which I should do another podcast on that because that's quite funny, actually. It's probably also because it wasn't the most easy time of my life. And I started thinking, I like what's happening here, but I actually don't truly feel at home in Paris. Interestingly, at that time, I was becoming very known in the world of fashion. It was maybe two or three years after my arrival in Paris, and I was invited everywhere. Everybody knew me. I had made a name for myself. I had work. I was still living in my ugly studio, and I was traveling so much because people started calling me from fashion weeks all across the world. Hey, would you want to come? We'll invite you. We'll pay for your hotel and your plane tickets and you can take photos. I also had found an agent, a wonderful agent that started developing my career, not only as an illustrator, but also as a fashion photographer. I was invited to all the fashion shows. And if I wasn't yet front row, I was well on my way there. I have to explain to you how important the seating plans are in fashion shows, but it would take too long. So just know that it's a thing. And as I was starting to think of a potential move to New York, I got a call from Karine Rutfeld. You might not know who she is, but maybe you know Anna Winter. Well, Karen Rothfeld was the Anna Wintour of France. She was the editor-in-chief of Paris Vogue and one of the coolest and chicest and most mysteriously powerful women in the world of fashion in Paris. And never would have thought that she would ever talk to me, even less call me. I was panicked. I didn't know what she wanted. She said, hey, why don't you come see me at my office tomorrow? I was in an absolute state of panic. What am I going to wear? What am I going to say? This is way too much. I didn't try to patch up an outfit that I thought looked like what she would expect for me to wear. And I showed up. And she said, you're doing really well. We love what you do here. Why don't you come work with me? You'll be sitting front row with me and Emmanuel and all the team at French Vogue. And you'll just be one of us. How about that? I asked what they wanted me to do. And she said, we want you to be the editor-in-chief of the website. You'll be my equal. This was the most incredible day. I, 
I couldn't believe this was happening. I knew that I was doing something that people were noticing and that my name was circulating around, but I would never have thought to find myself in this position. Of course, parts of me started imagining myself walking through the Tuileries like all the editors that I was taking photos of and I imagined, okay, I'm going to be on the other side of the lens. I'm going to be the one people are talking about and taking photos of. There was all this ego moment. I was so taken, so excited, and I was almost imagining myself becoming someone else. Probably, truly, deep down, I knew I wasn't that Vogue person. But at that time, there was nothing cooler I imagined that could be. I met with the director of the publications and he told me about a job and it felt so legitimate and I could imagine myself calling my mom and being like, that's it, I have a real job now. I work at Vogue, mom, the magazine that you love. So there was still this need to be recognized and to be legitimate and to show that I could make it happen. And as I was talking about the job with the team at Vogue, there was something in my body, this sinking feeling that something wasn't right. There were a few reasons why I would question taking the job. Of course, 99% of me was like, yes, please, let me be part of this incredible adventure, please. This was the height of everything for Paris Vogue. But a part of me was like, well, what about my New York project? What about my new love? And also, what about the career that I'm building with my agent? The money was really good, and it would have changed my life. The cachet was very good, and it would have changed the way people look at me forever. But I felt torn. There was something that wasn't connecting. There was something that was shouting inside, something inside of me that was saying, no, no, don't do it. Don't do it. I couldn't truly justify it, but I just kept feeling that while I was in talks with the team at Vogue. I remember one day sitting down at the cafe where all the publishers would meet each other and sitting with the publisher, having lunch, the last lunch before I would start the job and sign all the papers and all that. And I asked him, hey, um, once I have the job, can I, can I keep my blog? Can I keep writing for myself? Can I keep publishing my photos? And he said, oh, oh no, 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 there is no way. If you come to Vogue, you check your name at the door. I left the lunch and I felt really uncomfortable, torn and broken. The voice was now shouting to me, don't do it. But my rational mind, all my need for recognition, for legitimacy, for all these things that I didn't have and hadn't had for so many years, were keeping me tied to the idea of that job. I was in agony for a few days until one day I remember I was on the bicycle around Paris. I don't know where I was going. 
And suddenly it's like a little bird came and landed on my shoulder. And I told myself, I'm going to listen to the voice. I'm not going to take this job. And I'm going to go to New York. And the second I thought that, a profound feeling of relief and joy came upon me. Next time I will tell you about arriving in New York, how saying no to that job was received, and all the magic that happened once I got there. Thank you so much for listening and sending your love. Le Rendez-vous is brought to you by Doré. Minimize bathroom time and maximize outdoor time with our super simple routine of Made in France skincare. Use code PODCAST10 for 10% off your first order. Thank you for listening to Le Rendez-vous. If you want to know more about me, find out about my newsletter and my community. Find me on Instagram at Garance or at my website at garance.world. And well, if you'd like to find out how to spell that crazy name, just check out the show notes. Until next time, sending you love.